0: It, don't you won't make it I don't care all I know is when my heart is a tree. Boom sugar lucky ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters around the world. It is your boy, Chris Shule, a.k.a. the esoteric noetic, a.k.a. the chocolate nubian soul brother. That's my uh, alias we have Nicoletta in the house Nicoletta is a researcher a nutritionist a metaphysician a criminologist god damn what what, what aren't you Nicoletta DJ, I only just met, met
1: this DJ Chef
0: <laughs> I only just met this amazing soul just um, about a week ago and, uh, you know, it was, it was the first party I'd been to after these uh, these lockdowns. And, you know, I met someone and then we have all these things in common. You know, it turns out she's in- interested in X and Y. And we're talking about what's going on. She's very conscious. And I'm like, whoa, you're the kind of person that I would love to get to know. i got to get you on my podcast. And turns out you were involved in some amazing stuff. But just beforehand, do you want to tell us a bit more about yourself? I mean, I've just given a, a brief overview. But what is it that you do, Nicoletta?
1: Oh, God. Um, well, currently, um, as of this moment, I'm uh, uh, beginning my, um, my PhD fellowship at um, RMIT University um, in criminology, criminal justice. Um, I just finished sort of like the mini thesis or like had to go back to school because I had a year break from university. Um, so I had to go back and relearn everything. So I did an honours, just got mm-hmm. my mark great Mark, 90% okay. and above. Um, um, but I, I actually walked away from this career um, eight years ago, um, which I was pursuing in criminology and doing my thesis. And just a few um, personal issues came up during that time and needed a break. So moved to Alaska for a bit, <laughs> um, did that, um, Met uh, well my ex partner who's now my best friend, and then we sort of um, filmed a TV show. I got into nutrition and um, exercise physiology. Did that for a bit. Did some bodybuilding. Comp- did a bodybuilding competition or two. Um, was pursuing a career again back into uh, you know nutrition. But it wasn't. It didn't stimulate me as much as crime did. And I just realized like I walked away from something. And I felt like I fell out. and I met, I met my loving partner, who is my partner now. And um, he just said, what are you doing with your life? Like, you've got to give it a go again. So he sort of gave me the encouragement to believe in myself again. Um, So I've gone back, and I, um, back into criminology. um, Prior to that, I had a degree in forensic science, neuroscience, psychology, and criminology. And um, now I'm going back and finishing my PhD. Um, I thought I had a clear vision of what my PhD was going to be, and now after this past year and everything that we've been experiencing in the world, I'm really lost to what to write about just because of all the all the um, corporate crime I've been witnessing and human rights crime abuses that I've been witnessing. So it's, it's really like with everything that's been happening, my um, think it's on a pulse to write about what's happening now as opposed to what my original thesis um, or uh research was on which is like to put um um, a proper meditation program in prisons here in australia um so that that's what it was originally going to be on and that's what i just did this thesis on so it's i might do it in juveniles and test it on a juvenile population because it's good to um um juvenile delinquents not attack but um maybe put meditation into them so they sort of Uh, learn um, the right ways to deal with their emotions at an earlier time because they're a bit more malleable Uh, so I'm really fascinated in that but with everything else that's been happening in the world it's really hard and I remember after our, our conversation my first conversation with you a few weeks ago we just spoke about so many aspects of what we'll talk about today which is what's, you know, what five, Pfizer is responsible for, what com- companies have given up, um, uh, things such as cryptocurrencies to move into cryptocurrencies, um, NFTs, then going into uh, the complete timing of how the metaverse all of a sudden has propped up after two years of isolation. And so it's, it's been really interesting to watch the um, and then also the mass hypnosis that's happened on us. It's been really interesting to watch um, the world mm-hmm. um, and people that's been happening in the world in the last two years. Like it's, I've just sat back and I can't absorb enough of it, um, which sometimes annoys my friends because it is depressing. And I've got yeah. all this knowledge I want to talk to people about. and It's a lot for people to, unless you've got a strong heart, um, a lot of people check out. And that's what we see
0: sometimes. 100%. I'm finding these conversations are becoming very... Uh... Well, very few at the moment in terms of the the people I can find to that are actually willing to delve into these topics because people are are just so swamped under all the emotional stress right now, you know. But out of all of the things that you've um, you brought up there, um, what I find really interesting is how they're all related to what's going on right now. It's like you 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 delve into so many different topics: the criminology, the nutrition, the metaphysics. You know, you're speaking about the metaphors, Bitcoin, and Um, I find when I meet people that are aware of what's going on, they tend to have these interests because they're all kind of connected to essentially what we are seeing unfold in the world right now. But one thing I really wanted to focus on with you, like when you were talking about the criminology thing, like you made a point about how uh, uh, a big part of your focus, I guess, was rehabilitation for uh, for people, I I presume, that have um, committed crimes and so forth. And it just made me realize that where is we, we deal with criminals in terms of people that commit petty crimes. When it comes to corporate crimes, governmental crimes, like the kind of people that we see on the TV day in, day out, we don't, we don't address that. At least we don't seem to uh, on the mainstream news. We, we don't offer rehabilitation to these dictators that are essentially depriving us of our human rights. When it applies to these big companies like, like some of the companies you mentioned, you know, like I call it Fizzer. Courtesy of uh, YouTube, don't want, to, want this to get censored. <laughs> but yeah, it's okay. not something that we're. Trying... Okay, so does the work, that, does the research that you've done, and the, I guess the course that you've done, does it, uh, does it offer solutions to how to see justice uh, from these corporations and these these entities that are bringing about this this crime on the the mass mass uh, public
1: unfortunately, that's the thing. Um, I mean, sometimes when we're looking at the small petty crimes and stuff, there's a lot of shame and guilt attached to them. And that's, you know, sometimes the thing that makes people stop. Um, but it doesn't happen with people um, in corporate crime. Um, you know, as we know, sometimes it's even hard to pinpoint, um, for example, uh, who's to blame in corporations because they're under the umbrella of a, a, a company. And a long time ago, um, I think it was um, in America, in American legislation, you know, uh, they they label a corporation as a person. So the corporation then under, under legal stature has all the rights to protect it as a person does. But then you can't go, you can't actually, when you're processing, um, trying to make arrest. Who, who do you blame for the decision exactly. of?
0: Where's the individual? Um, right. Many
1: people. Where's it look, look at, look at exactly what happened um, during here during the um, hotel quarantine debacle. Not one person was blamed for that. You know, like there's 801 or, 801 or some something people dead, and everyone's I don't recall. Um, and again, it's this whole co- uh, collection of people. And What I, I believe. Right now, we'll go back to corporate crime, but what I believe what's happening right now is a whole bunch of people who don't know what they're doing, who are in charge, and they've got our lives in our hands, and they have no clue what they're doing. Um, mm-hmm. But back to corporation, like, not only is um, shame and not attached to them, you know, they're looked after. They're looked after by lawyers. They're looked after um, by the media. You know, we don't know about the crimes they're committed. They're not reported on. Um there's not, you know, a perfect example, I remember from the Michael Moore film um, ages ago, like when, you you know, America, that show cops, people are being arrested and it's shown on TV and they're being thrown on the hood of a car and stuff. That doesn't happen with a, um, a corporate criminal. Like, you know, um, even if they are found out, they're um, ushered gently out of the building, they're looked after, they're not ha- like, you know, they're very rarely roughed up. Uh, mm-hmm. perfect example is look at um, the case that's happening right now in America um, with Theranos. I don't know if you know about the Elizabeth Holmes case. Um, that's a very interesting case happening right now. Okay. Lots of good YouTube clips. She was this nine, year old entrepreneur who was considered the new Steve Jobs who thought her Edison machine that she apparently made um, could detect all um, diseases and viruses and everything like that um, and diagnose people with one uh, prick of blood which you know, you need more than a vial of blood to even test for many things. And so she convinced um, the American public and you know, um, people like Biden and who else was it? Um, Henry Kissinger to back her project. Um, and the, the machines didn't work. In fact, the blood that they got from the samples were d- diluted down and they gave the wrong results. So people were getting prescribed things like um, diabetic medication or being told they got cancer when it was all wrong. Oh no. And so this was actually she, well, out in the
0: market. She, this was yep, not going through. Trusses. Yeah, this, this was actually the, been approved. This, okay. this
1: was being um, marketed and sold in Walgreens uh, nationwide. So that's how long this um, scam or this hoax went for. And so, you know, they found out it was a lie. And like, even the way she talks, she lies about her voice because she talks in this really low tone because she thinks she's supposed to sound intelligent. I just talk
0: naturally low, so I'm good. Is that a psychology <laughs> thing, like people to the ten have a low voice? Yeah, that's interesting. Obviously, Appar- you, apparently, about something like that. Yeah. Um, I, I have so, to be fair, like because we're talking about negligence here. At least this is what I presume the mainstream media would say, right? And um, whereas you could argue, negligence. yeah, that this company yeah. is is accident. I mean, as you mentioned, that this uh, uh, this test was was supposed to diagnose people accurately for certain diseases and whatnot, but it's dying uh, it's doing whole things that it wasn't supposed to do. The, even that issue alone, the, the, it's like there's no accountability. When a corporation gets something like that wrong, typically you'd see some kind of uh, uh, restitution having to be paid by, by, by them to the, the people that have suffered, You know, whether it's this, this relates to any kind of um, pharmaceutical drugs. But obviously in the scheme of what we're seeing right now when it comes to uh, the uh, – yeah, the juice, you know, the, the boomshagalagas as I like to call them, you know. Um uh, we're not seeing any yeah. of that. But I, I, I guess more specifically to this this scenario that you're talking about. So you think there was actually willful wrongdoing?
1: Oh hand. yeah. Oh hundred percent makes you think that hundred percent. There were like whistleblowers have come out, um, they've they've got data's and emails and everything else like that. So You know, from what they've witnessed, she's a compulsive liar. Um, She's even, like, all of a sudden um, had a baby during this court process. I don't know who's, um, she's not even living, like, she's not even in jail. But all these whistleblowers and everyone came out saying, like, well, these tests don't work because what was happening in the background was that they did a test and then they'd send it to an actual um, facility then to Mm -hmm. then run the test so they weren't even running the tests in the machines machines were faulty that break and all these um whistleblowers came out and said well this is actually happening um and uh elizabeth holmes then not only um went after these whistleblowers but did it viciously as well to silence them so she was fully aware of what she was doing
0: do you Um, think you being the psychologist that you are do you think there's an element of wanting to believe something is not true so much that you willfully ignore all the evidence? Because I, I personally feel from my experiences that I've had with people, like I, I try to read what people are, are, are going through in their minds, you know, and I f- feel like a lot of times it is a case of people wanting so much to believe something that they'll ignore the truth. And it makes it seem as if they're being fraudulent, but there is some kind of weird psychology going on around there. What are your thoughts on that, being the, uh, the resident psychologist? <sighs>
1: Not, a, not an official psychologist i just
0: yeah,
1: ne- I, never appeared not a peach at dinner just did it um the greener sure. so. but just your, um, your personal
0: opinion do you think there might be an element of that
1: I, I think it's it's a twofold thing and i've dealt with it on a personal um scale with a member of my family who's a compulsive liar and it's just it just becomes this pattern of their behavior where um, they cannot stop and they cannot stop lying. They cannot, and in fact, if they start to tell the truth, it's actually, there's a mechanism um, in their brain that actually makes them stressed out and not function properly. And it's, it's been shown in lots of um, cases of compulsive liars and um, even, um, for example, cult leaders such as Jim Jones and that we just keep on going and keep on going, keep on feeding the lie. And again, there is always something in the back of their mind saying that they're doing it for a greater good or they're doing it for this, but then there's always atrocities involved. You know, the old saying is um, the, the the path to hell is paved with good intentions.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So there's always um, a good intention being involved um, with anyone, um, unless there are people who are just inherently evil who go out to purposely cause harm because they get gratification from it but um and and that's what we've been seeing um in the last two years with everything that's been happening um just surrounding boom shaka laka, <laughs> and everything else is that everyone's trying to do the best decision that they think is right a lot of people um yeah. and that's and that's where we're now in this mess because no one we haven't been given the truth with has been censored and covered up um, so no one can actually make a proper informed choice and you know i do believe there is like layers of people so as you said like is it willing that people willingly hurt people There, you know perfect example is another case um enron which was a big um, um corporation case um you could hear traders on the phone laughing um about people losing their money and hurting the lives of other people so I, I do believe there is a, a, a part in someone or these people that they do know that they're causing harm and they just don't have compassion. A lot of sociopaths and psychopaths run companies and are CEOs yeah. of companies or are powerful people. Um, you know, you gotta, you got to remember that people who want to be um, presidents and premiers and everything like that, there's a high level of narcissism in, in all these people. You know, yeah, you want to help, but there is a narcissistic to try and get to that top top level of um, power. So that's what I sort of believe.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's it's a very complicated situation we're in because there are many levels to what's going on. Where you can bring it down to the individual level, like they're actual bad actors, but then the system is also structured in a way where, I mean, I have a look at the. Um, the advers- adversarial nature of the the legal system, and a lot of the times you'll have lawyers that are fighting in the best interests interests of their uh, of, of of the person they're trying to defend, and e- even if that m- means that they have to uh, avert certain imp- like prevent certain information from coming into the fore, you know, which is going to show the truth in regards to the the horrible things that their uh, their client has done, they will actively avoid sharing that information. And I think, I mean, I recently heard a a, a lawsuit. This was a case uh, dealing with um, whether or not the information in regards to everything that's been going on with the juice, with the, the bone shakaluckers, was going to be uh, disclosed by um, Fizzer, right? I'm pretty sure that was the company. And I think one of the lawyers actually uh, tried to get the the judge to prevent this information from coming to being released until... You know, something like two. I think it was two thousand and seventy something. Don't quote me. Two thousand and seventy-six.
1: Yeah, I believe so. Years.
0: And it's like, well, what other? Years. What other purpose could there be other than you not wanting this information to come to the fore? And your job here is that you're trying to defend. I'm sure the lawyers justified it by saying, well, obviously, I have to protect the interests of my client. And this is exactly what happens. You know, um, whether you're defending the interests of the shareholder and whatnot, the system is geared towards. Uh, not allowing the truth to come into the fore. You have a look at some of the backdoor deals that have taken place just in terms of what we're dealing with in Australia with, the, uh, with APRA obviously having gag orders on what doctors can speak about. And yeah, how, how do you, I mean, first of all, how do you think we resolve this thing? I mean, what what's the best way of, of seeing justice in a system like the system we have in play at the moment? It's...
1: It's unfortunately it's, it's, it's so hard and I always try and think of well, what, you know, what would like the ideal situation be but um, there's no good news. These people have got there's so many different players and so many people involved and so many different people um, who I don't know if they willingly want to go along with the narrative or they might think that they're doing the right thing. Like, I guess it's like a perfect example. is the whole um, Manhattan project um, scenario where like there were a lot of people working towards something but they didn't know what they were working towards until the bomb exploded, you know, um, you know, what's it called? It's called um, compartmentalization. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of people on, you know, it's not a, none of this whole big, like, it could be like this whole conspiracy, how it's planned and blah, blah, blah but it's, it's, it's hard to know what's happening because a lot of people are going along with the exact same narrative, as you said, where um, doctors are being censored. I think um, a really well renowned editor of um, BMJ, the British Medical Journal, um, Peter Doshi, has just been censored, you know, as well. So we've got all these um, high-profile people who are world-renowned and who have been world-renowned for the years and no one's ever questioned who they were as people as individuals or as sentinel beings and all of a sudden they're not even um they're not even uh worth a conversation and they're being silenced so this is happening on such a large global scale and there's so many powerful people in play to let this happen it's just like well how do you fight against this and I've been trying to think about it for the last few months. Like, how do you, how do you p- pursue and go against people who pretty much control, control the world.
0: world? Yeah, well, and I was, who, who,
1: who can take you out and make you disappear? Like, you know, I'm not saying that's not going to happen, but like it can
0: happen for some people. Oh, 100. That so, stuff has happen, and that's the so, that's the really difficult thing a lot of people there are some people that see what's going on there are some people that see what's going on once they're shown and then there are those that don't see the problem is that for those that can actually see or have been shown there's still this fear of what will happen to them I think this is something that we're all facing right now people that speak out just bear with me one moment to end that
1: that's okay can you... that's alright Sorry, what you Can you get me a drink of water
0: and, an and turn the aircon con on? But, uh, all right. That's all right. As I, I, was I saying, need to get <laughs> all good. Sure. So as I was saying, um, once people are aware of what's going on, they're fearful of what's going to happen to them because on a very practical level, you become a pariah, you know, then you deal with losing your job. Um, you deal with, I mean, you have a look at the people who are speaking out right now in Australia, like Craig Kelly or, Um, whoever it is, they've been made out to be crazy people or worse yet, they've been threatened with lawsuits. So I think the real testing point is having the courage to actually um, stand against the tyranny because we have a look at history, right? And I always try to learn from history because we've seen what's going on in varying degrees. History doesn't always repeat, but it it rhymes. And you have a look where uh, you see some kind of horrible thing that's been accepted by the masses. And eventually, a small group of people have the courage to actually fight against it. And slowly, that turns from a 1% to 3%. And I think what we're seeing right now, if you have a look at the recent protests, is that there are more and more people that are waking up every single day. And those few courageous people are actually inspiring others, You know, people like yourself, to actually stand against the tyranny. And it all starts with... Um, with being the change that you want to see that's what I believe I think it's so easy to say that this is the system but if you we kind of alluded to this earlier if you pick at the system you say oh it's this organization you never get to like real accountability it has to be on an individual level you have to say well I'm responsible soldiers have to say they're responsible as opposed to this view where the 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 Big farmer is not responsible, the government's not responsible, and then the uh, employers that are just mandating this thing are not responsible. You know, I think we have to take accountability. They're my thoughts on how to address this thing. But I
1: mean, uh, 100%. I think it comes down to people not complying. It, it, every person, you know, just slowly don't comply. I mean, going back, as you said, as history, um, history rhymes, I mean, that perfect um, photo of. Um, is it from it was, I think it was from 1936. Um, to, one
0: man not but, saluting Hitler, one man right?
1: Not saluting. Absolutely. You know, it, it just it just comes down to um, being being those people, and it's always been seen like as you know we are greater in numbers. There's more of us than there are of them, um, and that's how we can start standing up and calling calling them out on their um, you know BS and you know you know. Just watching the mainstream media and seeing how they twist and distort the truth now and, you know, because I've gone to a few of these rallies and, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not a white supremacist. Um, I, I believe in everyone should have um, a free choice and um, with what they do with their bodies. And yet because I've gone to this rally, I am labelled as one and, you know, that that can like damage my career. And, again, it comes down to that language that we're also witnessing right now. Um, you know, the dehumanization of each other, like anti-vaxxers and extremists. And uh, um, our premier even used the word um, rabid the other day. Mm -hmm. And it's this slow dehumanization process that's been occurring to create an us-versus-them attitude. Um, Even in today, just today, Bank of America have announced to their employees that they're going to have under-vaccinated. On boom shakalaka area yeah. and the shakalaka area um, and segregate them. So now we're starting segregation areas in workplaces. And what's really surprising is everyone's like, well done. Great. I'm glad this is happening. And it's just so interesting how even a few months ago I had friends posting online saying I can't these people need to be discriminated against and blah blah blah. So it's been really interesting to watch how fast and how people are willing to jump on this dehumanisation.
0: Absolutely. And
1: um, and this sort of, and we know what that leads to. I mean, look at what happened in the Rwanda genocide after years Mm -hmm. of dehumanisation and propaganda from the radio. So I think it comes down to what do we do to change this? We need to start just, friends who are just not seeing what's been happening, make them question, make them start asking questions or, or propose questions to them saying, Look at this double standard. Why would this be happening and not that be happening, you know? Mm -hmm. Why has certain countries, especially in Europe, suspended or even um, banned certain types of companies, boom shaka, um, and and America has banned one that starts with AZ, Mm -hmm. but then we have it here. So why is that happening? Isn't it should be the same thing for everyone, you know?
0: Um, fear is a powerful okay. drug. I, I have, I have this theory that where is I a lot, a lot of my friends tend to call you know these people that are buying into this stuff just uh, asleep. But I think there is something that happens to you when you're in this state of, of fear. You know, you tend to not see things correctly. And I think because the media has been saturating the mainstream news with all of this fear, even with what's going on at the moment with the uh, the, the omicron strain. You know, even though we don't know much about it, people are leaning in on their fe- fear and rather than making logical rational proportionate um responses to this thing uh we're, we're seeing things that seem like this stuff has been taken out of some science fiction movie like the idea of locking people in their homes because uh because you know someone in another part of the world has uh, has come up with something that is not definitively showing any signs of it being worse than what we're already dealing with and uh that's kind of how I, I, I justify the insanity that is going on. I mean, that and obviously there, there are bad actors in play. But, you know, I feel like we've been alluding to a lot of what is going on. And uh, I, kind of, I feel like we kind of have to anytime you're trying to put this out on some mainstream avenue. But if you were to encapsulate what is going on right now um, in terms of uh, this entire agenda, uh, how would you how would you characterize that?
1: Um.
0: I, mean, I people, think yeah
1: it's, it's it's so it's where do you start um, to start off with uh, I'm I'm sure you've heard of a, the saying never let a good crisis go to waste absolutely um, type of thing. Mm. I I do believe that this is a massive shock shock doctrine on the planet I don't know if you know much about shock doctrine itself or the principles behind it not
0: specifically um, but I might be familiar with it
1: so a beautiful a great book um uh, by Naomi Klein Mm-hmm. Naomi Klein, yes, not Naomi Wolf. Let's get the names mixed up. And it, it talks about how a long time ago they realized, obviously, when they used to do psychological um, shocks on patients, you know, to help cure them for mental illnesses. That's when people are more um, susceptible to information.
0: So oh, again... Are we Are talking electroshock therapy here?
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so what they found was they can actually create this same sort of stimulus response when... People are, like, shocked as in um, through, like, a, yeah. a, an incident, for example, gotcha. with fear. Uh, 9-11 PTSD, was a right? perfect example of um, that. Look at, look at all the legislation and every all the human rights atrocities that were pushed because of 9-11 under, under the guise of creating peace. So yeah. now we have this, this virus which um, has been released to a population. And there is huge fear about that. And so now we um, have, again, this population who are on high alert, who are very afraid. Um, And a professor by the name of um, Matthew Desmond um, talked about a thing called mass formation. And there's four stages to mass formation. What was that word, sorry? Mass
0: formation.
1: Mass formation.
0: Oh, mass formation. Okay. Um,
1: mass formation and um there's four stages to it and um the first stage is you know you got to start number one by um socially isolating people from their social bonds um another stage of creating this sort of mass formation or this mass hypnosis is that um there needs to be a lot of people who have a lack of sense making and so they're unable to come to sensible conclusions and during all COVID um and everything that got was happening people uh, were struggling to try and find rationale and try and put justifications in because they lost control of the world they used to know um, so we've completely taken away their livelihoods and jobs and put this fear on them um number three is um there's like a lot of free floating anxiety uh, that happens because of this so again um there's nothing to connect their fear or their anxiety to that happened during this so they're unable to uh, deal with that really like sort of gut sense of you know, that anxiety and what they've, they've been going through. And then for, um, there's also lots of discontent with their daily lives. So obviously what we saw was a lot of people all of a sudden were out of work and they're like, oh, I can't believe I've been doing that for all my life and my life has no meaning and what am I supposed to do? So when this happens, then their amygdala gets hijacked.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So this is where that shock doctrine come in. And so
0: absolutely. Um,
1: you know um they've got um, so this is fight situation. or flight
0: this is that's the fight or flight
1: movie. response yeah. this is you know your your most basic instinct responses um that comes down to your survival of the species mm-hmm. um and so when it's um hijacked um that's when we can start putting in sort of uh you know
0: People more susceptible and, to programming. Well,
1: susceptible, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it starts, like, disabling your frontal lobe and um, and that that's the part in, in your amygdala which sort of um, controls your important cognitive skills, which is what we needed this time, your emotional expression, your problem solving, your memory, your language, your judgment, you know. So that got hijacked during this time. Um, so and then all of a sudden, along with... And if you believe in this, and I certainly do, um, you've got Facebook jumping on and everyone's sitting there on Facebook because everyone, we're at, they're sitting at home, they've lost contact, social contact with their friends and the only way they can communicate is through Facebook and all these social media apps. So there you have people sitting there um, expressing their, their fears and you know the the pure emotions and their their rage and their anxiety and stuff. And there is Facebook collecting all that data, and turning it in, and using that against each other.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's where we, we've got that coming in as well. And you know we're creating echo chambers of someone else's beliefs here and someone else's beliefs there. And then all of a sudden, people are becoming more and more divided. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do believe it is. It is this. I don't know if it was an accidental occurrence that. I, I do believe um, it, it was definitely in a lab and, you know, we're seeing more and more documents coming out showing that it, the origins did come from them and they're trying to cover that up,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know. Um, there's now um, covering up the uh, certain definitions, definitions of boom shakalaka, definitions mm-hmm. of, um, Absolutely. Anti, anti-boom-shakalaka people. This There's a
0: of- window where something that was considered to be good shifts over time, like the words that we use, right? Like human rights was ubiquitously considered a good thing. Like the idea of not forcing your will on someone if they're not harming anyone. That's essentially where it comes from, the natural law, the yeah. common law. But now we've this thing, and now the whole idea of an anti-vaxxer who is someone that believes in human rights, someone that doesn't want to be forced, coerced to do something, uh, is, is, is now made to be a bad thing and people are calling human rights activists anti-vaxxers and this is this speaks to what you're saying how there's this twisting of language but I also see this happening with the definitions of you know the, the boom shakalaka as well like the leak you know the, how yeah this stuff is slowly changing and it's it a changed, very the, serious definition thing.
1: Change, the definition of boom changed changed change twice this year
0: exactly And this is how I think this war is being won, because people don't even know what they're talking about. Like, I like to have clarity when I'm having a conversation or any kind of debate. Now, when I speak to people, they think I mean something completely different. You know, like even speaking about I've been here, I think at the start of the year, um, the a member of the, the Chinese Communist Party made some speech about human rights and basically defined human rights dealing with subsistence and you know the, the common good and all this kind of stuff, which essentially moves away from this idea of individual rights, right? And they've, they paid this idea that it's all about sacrificing your rights now in order to achieve mm-hmm. the greater good. And this is how this thing is twisted around. And we're seeing the same thing done here. It's like oh, wait a sec, you're a human rights activist. No, you're selfish. No, human rights is all about, you no, know, we got to keep everyone safe. You know, it's like, what? No, no, you have to, uh, you got. You got to do the right thing and be forcibly uh, inoculated because that's what human rights is about. And it's like, what? What is going on here?
1: I don't know if you've ever read um, 1984 by George Orwell, um, but there's, or, or even watched the movie, great. Both are amazing, but there's bits in there where you know, mm-hmm. um, I forgot what his name was, was it Winston it's been ages since I've read the book. And John he's sitting Hurt. there, played by John Hurt. If you watch the movie, um, and there's they're sitting there where they're being told where um they have to put a news announcement on and saying, Well, this word means this now, remember? And at the end, the, at the end during his brainwashing when he gets captured, you know, he didn't even know what two plus two was anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and, and we're, we're, we're,
1: we're, we're witnessing that. And, and the fact that no one can see that and they're going along with it, and they're not even, you know, there's a, not even, no one's even asking questions. And that's, that's and not only that, we're it's giving answers. It's illegal to ask questions. We're, we're given answers which we're not allowed to question.
0: You know, exactly. it's called um, the science, right? You can't question the science when the science is supposed to consist of, there is no the science. It consists of the like people that are constantly. Re-evaluating the default position, right? Different camps. Science has yeah. never settled,
1: and it's it's really hard to see on such a global scale that everyone's going along with it and no one's questioning it. And the few people who do question it get censored, and everyone's like going, "Oh, okay, that's normal. This is fine." You know, it's 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 really interesting to see again how easily people have fallen into um, being so compliant and you know I mean I have to say the word brainwashing but you know that's mm. that's what it is. It's like if you if the best way of definition I've heard about brainwashing is like can you if you can't imagine what you were going to be doing two years ago and you look back going I can't believe I was agreeing to that then maybe something has happened, you know. Mm. Um and I, I study a lot of cults in fact like cults and studying cults is one of my passions and so when everything started going down and i started witnessing everything it's like Fuck, this this just feels too familiar and um a bit, a bit of my background was like last year when all this started um coming out um i was like okay i'm scared okay i've even told my partner back then like if 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 the boom is coming out i'm going to take it i'm going to do this i'm going to do that um we've got to do this we've got to protect the people i can't believe people thinking Uh, work is more important than this and and i completely switched 180 because after it it was like i think it was it started happening a few months after everything and it's just like hang on this is not making any sense this is not adding up and like i could have um been a hypocrite and just gone along with the cognitive dissonance which everyone else was going with but it's just Mm -hmm. like hang on you know why for example in australia why can't people go and visit their dying loved one that then you know And enter a state just to hold the person Mm -hmm. dying in the arm one last time yet football players and all their families and kids can get blown in and not have quarantine and no one's even like people are angry but they're not really angry they're not doing protest angry we're letting all these things happen we're slowly being compliant and it's it's got to that point now it's like finally people are getting up and rising up and doing everything and noticing all these double standards but i hope it's not too late
0: yeah it's so interesting it's so interesting to me that with you your perception of what was going on changed, and that's what caused you to change your behavior and uh what i want to ask is like you strike me as someone that believes in at least the conventional idea of you know human rights choice that kind of stuff has your politics shifted in any way since um but before before COVID versus uh where we are now?
1: I'm, I mean, I've always been the person that sits on the fence okay. and always looks tries to look at things from both sides of the story. Um, just because that's what I have to do for work. Sure. Um but if if anything, if you would have said I lean left more back mm-hmm. then, but I'm pretty much a hundred percent center now and um and I have more um, compassion. I'm not look. I'm not a right wing person, but mm. I have more compassion for both because both people on both sides are sentient sentient beings, and I respect them both. But I, mm. I'm trying to come. I'm trying to come from a like a really just look at both sides of the story. And it's there's both sides. There's extreme actors, and you can see that. Um, uh, I think one thing I watched recently, and it really. Sh- and I've showed this to a few people, and it was really terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Real Rushkin did a live feed um, a few weeks back when the big protest happened, and before he went to um, the, pro, the pro-choice, um, anti-boom-shakalaka mandate vax, um, he went to the other opposing protest to get an equal view. And there's this bit where they all surrounded him. It was him actually an opposing then...
0: protest. I mean, I, I heard they were going on at the same time, but there's actually a protest where people are saying that we have to force people to get, get the juice, get boom lucky. That was the thing. Yeah.
1: And, and, they're, and they're the human rights, they're the human rights, very left-leaning ones. And there's this bit, yeah. and you watch it. I, I, want, I want everyone to go back and watch this video. And at the bit, and they're all surrounding him and yelling at him and telling him to F off And that. You look into their eyes and it's scary. Because there's just like zombie, and I've seen that with people who've been in cults. Yeah, um,
0: what's so, so interesting? Yeah, what's so interesting to me about just trying to delineate between uh, the the different perspectives here, the the left and right, is what I've heard, what I've what I've researched, and what you'll generally, I think, find is the people that tend to be very um, hesitant of. The government tend to be hesitant of taking, uh, you know, these these inoculations. Uh, they tend to be more pro freedom. This is something that we're finding. You have a look at the politics of most of the people that are going in these marches, and they don't like the idea of this stuff being forced, you know. And granted, they may perceive what's going on differently. They do tend to champion the idea of individual freedom more so. And you find those that are on the on the left tend to be a bit more trusting of government. The idea that you know the government's working. You know, greatest for for our best interest, and I think because of that, you start you start to see this. I mean, this manifestation of well, you know, this is for this is for your own benefit. You know, there's no kind of like um, second guessing what the government is doing because you tend to be more trusting of them. But to me, I mean. It's not even about perception. Like, granted, we have different versions of human rights in the 21st century. Classically, it's always it was predicated on the idea that of, of what you call negative rights. Like in common law, there's this concept of usufruct, where so the, the usufruct, which is when you take something that's not yours, someone's life or property, it's a bad thing. And classic human rights is that you are sovereign. You, you can't have someone um, sacrifice themselves for you. But we moved into this realm now where people are actually making the argument that you can have someone sacrifice their own um, freedom because you want to be safe. This is when you move into this other idea of human rights where people can actually have their rights removed from them. Rights become privileges now where they can be taken and granted to you by the government. So now we're in a situation where the government's saying, "Oh we we'll, we'll give you back your freedoms if you um, if you undergo this experimental gene therapy," right? And that to yeah. me that's not that's very that's at least very different from the classical definition of human rights that we had. But I just wanted to point that out.
1: Well, it's it's really interesting. I was going to I was going to talk about this. Like never in and I there's always that cuz I I've had a lot of uh, debates on Facebook but I've had to stop because then I just end up having arguments in my head all night. Uh, but, you know, the whole seatbelt analogy, for example, and, you yeah. know, you wear a – and I'm going to your, I'm gonna get to your point. I'm sort of digressing. Yeah. Um, but the whole yeah. seatbelt analogy now, like, you know, everyone's like, you know, if you wear a seatbelt, you do it for your own good and blah, 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 it protects you and blah, blah, blah. It's just like, hang on, but never – if, if seatbelts were faulty or if they harm people, they would be recalled. Mm-hmm correct, or if they didn't work, they would try and make the seatbelt better. Sure. But ne- never in history has something happened where everyone's saying it's for the greater good and the adverse reactions, blah, blah, blah. People are like, well, that's just, it's, that's for the greater good. People dealing with these adverse reactions, that's just fine because at the end of the day. It's for the general population, the general good, and it's to Well, actually, a I, I'd state. say that that
0: has been a common theme throughout history. I mean, that's exactly what the uh, the argument the Nazis were. That was the, that's the argument most of these tyrants for the greater good, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so ag- again, we're seeing that that language, and we're seeing um, I don't know, but like I've been really getting into um, all this research about um, all these adverse reactions because never in the history of boom Shaka have we had such a like. If you look at all the graphs um, dating back of everyone that's been distributed like adverse reactions stay pretty low and then they're all spiked all of a sudden yeah
0: but nicolette you can't prove that it was the adverse that you know it was the the, the boom shuckle. like it could have been a whole variety of things we don't know that you know i mean oh yeah
1: yeah exactly and that's the thing and and there's 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 these great um there's these um great pages that have come out um called yab i can't say the word injuries and stuff like that sure. um and all these all these kids now getting it like there's um they've been finding out that it's affecting um causing transverse myelitis which a- a- affects the spine and people's spines are being blown out and they're permanently um permanently disabled and they were completely we're saying because
0: i, I want to put this up Apparently. on youtube this is this is all yeah. you know, obviously yeah. speculation right now speculation um, but yeah. yeah but
1: it's like people are discredited that again this whole thing's happened. like well it's not true it's not you've got some issues or you're lying or this or that. And, um, and people are now who are injured for whatever reason, but there has to be this common denominator, are now being
0: made discriminated like against
1: and, mm. and shamed and told that, "Well, what has happened to you doesn't matter, because this is for the greater good.
0: Oh, well, I haven't. I mean, typically, I haven't been hearing that, at least by the medical establishment. I What I've been typically seeing is it's just been completely ignored, you know. Um, but yes, that's a, thing a way as well. to say people that- saying, well, uh, if you know, there are always going to be some adverse reactions. That, But because of that, I would think that the ethical standard is, is that, well, it should come down to choice because everything's going to affect different people differently. You know, but with your analogy, I just had to comment on this with the seatbelt analogy. You see, where is people tend to focus more on? The, the adverse reactions, whether or not this is having a positive or negative effect, right? Or the greater good. I always bring it down to choice. I mean, it, it doesn't matter if you think a seatbelt is a good idea. If I, as an individual, have um, been forced to do something, I should be able to decide whether or not I want to wear it. You know, I should be able to take my own level of risk. This idea that because, and this is where we've moved into this realm of public health and well-being, this idea that Just because you're doing something for someone's own benefit, you can force anything on them. This is what you were alluding to earlier with the um, road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? And like classically Hmm. within like classic moral philosophy, that's supposed to be like a a definitive no-no. But we moved into this 21st century realm now where you can actually force people. Because we always talk about the Nuremberg Code, right? And the most hilarious thing to me is they're saying that this thing, at least fact checkers are saying that it's not a violation of the Nuremberg Code because it's for people's public health and well-being. When the very idea, the first clause of the Nuremberg Code is that you must have voluntary consent with any kind of medical procedure, you know, and that means it's not voluntary consent unless you're doing it for the greater good, for someone's uh, well-being. It's like voluntary consent because unless you have a consent-based system of ethics, you can justify anything. It's so completely opposed to like the basic premise of this This idea of human rights or the Nuremberg Code, but it's it's like the media is just presenting this completely obfuscated uh worldview now that it's it's perfectly acceptable and the one plus one is equal to 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 three, you know, that it's not a violate. And I'm like, what is what is going on?
1: Yeah. And not only not only that with the Nuremberg Code, not only do you have to have um consent, but you know, informed consent, but um, you have to have the facts, and the fact is that they're not even releasing the facts. They refuse to.
0: Exactly. So how yeah.
1: can you how can you even have consent over something, which you've been forced to have? Otherwise, you can't put food on the table, and you mm-hmm. can't eat, and you can't support yourself, and you're shamed. And then mm-hmm. turn around and say, "Oh, we've given you a choice."
0: Yeah, and they are no. doctors that are actively not able to comment on the uh, you know long term, short term effects of this thing, even um otherwise they will lose their job courtesy of apra that's a thing here in australia so it's like okay so i'm not able to get advice from you on on something um then i don't have informed consent then i shouldn't be able to do this i shouldn't have to be forced to do this thing but no the government's still forcing you to do this thing
1: um it's interesting story Mm. um i ended up um (laughs) i ended up in an ambulance ride a few um a few weeks ago Um, Mm. um i was having um some heart issues um don't worry I didn't have it wasn't from the the, boom shakalaka but as I was in the ambulance um the the ambulance people were absolutely amazing and they kept on saying stuff like blah blah blah, but I'm not supposed to tell you that so like they were like I couldn't even they weren't even allowed to speak properly and what I did get out of them was I was talking about things like you know well the hospital beds because we got given money um, the government here got given $4.4 uh, um, 4 billion to increase hospital beds and stuff. And I said, well, you know, you've got at least all these extra hospital beds. He's like, actually, no, we don't have actually taken some away. So it's like, where is this $4.4 4 million is gone, you know? And then it's just like, where's that question being asked? Where is the question of where is this money going to sort of help us set up? And like, when this was asked in our parliament to say well, we want to open up an investigation to find out where this um, misappropriation of funds has gone they blocked it so they blocked the investigation and then and then why are people going well why didn't they why did they block the investigation people are just
0: where is happily the happily going thinking? yeah it's it's like no one wants to point at the elephant you know it's the elephant in the room kind of thing it's like well if you address that, then it's going to lead to a very uncomfortable truth. I think people aren't ready to handle things, so they'd much rather avoid addressing them altogether. Um, but look, well, in terms just of... Quickly, so go oh, on. Just,
1: well, just quickly, oh. that, that happens a lot in, um, again, going back to cult-liking cult mentality. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the followers and members, um, it comes down to a lot of them don't want to leave or it's hard to leave or it's hard to um, get them out because at the end of the day, for them to actually believe that they were living a lie, then completely shatters their whole reality. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're dealing with right now is people who they don't want their reality shattered because they're holding on to this life that used to be.
0: Absolutely. Two years what? ago. That life is gone. telling me the truth. God, I can't rely on government. No, that's, it's horrible. No, I can't, like, I can't accept that.
1: Yeah. But that lie of two years ago and things going back to normal is gone. And that's what they're holding on to. And. You know, it's hard to deal with that. It's hard to me to tell my friends the same, like, nothing's going to go back to normal. You realize that? I was just
0: going to ask you that. I mean, do you, well, well, I don't want things to go back to normal because let's face it, even a couple of years ago, things were not perfect. That's for sure. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, it's kind of like you could see the the uh, the elements of this uh, this storm about to erupt. You know, but where we are right now, obviously, it's a completely different ballgame. But do you do you see there being a uh, a path out of this um, this road to hell right now. In I, the, in the I, short I, term, I mean, how I believe, I mean, I personally believe, eventually, but um, wh- how, in what time frame do you think this is possible? Like, where do you see this perhaps taking on a change where enough people will start like taking these politicians to this town center and uh, beating the shit out of them as they would in the old times.
1: Look, it's gonna go. It can go three ways the first way is everyone's just going to keep on going along with the narrative and being compliant. You know, we're going to, we're going to adopt the digital identity passports that they're now pushing here in Australia. And everyone's going to go along with that. Um, and we're just going to keep on going and, and will people who are free thinkers are going to be silenced and muzzled out. It can go an opposite way where the people actually rise up and take this on and, um, you know, do it now. Because of, um, you know, we're slowly starting to see all the corruption. Like, like throughout all this, all this corruption has now become evident, and more and more people are just going to start seeing this and, like, start standing in solidarity um, in the streets. Or it could go another way where there might be carnage and two opposing views clashing, and it's going to, you know, we, it might get to that stage where you know a lot of people are going to be hurt and suffering, and and that that could be it. I mean. I don't want to believe that. I don't want to believe that people resort to um, going down that road of really to that point of dehumanization and what we've already started seeing in segregations in workplaces, but we're already starting to see that.
0: Sure. I mean, but if then, not- forcing, holding you down and forcing you to do something, you know, I mean, at some point, based off of your own inherent right of self defense, I mean, aren't you supposed to at least defend yourself, defend the, the people that you care about, your child, if someone's dragging your child to do something that you don't believe is in their best interest, but more importantly, is violating their consent. Are we just going to say, well, because they have good intentions, um, it's okay? I mean, at some yeah. point, I, I keep, because I keep hearing this argument, no one wants to use violence, but when violence is being used on you, and essentially coercion, which is the threat of violent action, you know, um, and this is what we're dealing with, it's effectively violence, I mean, to me, I'd, I'd say it becomes almost a moral responsibility, to some extent anyway, to uh, to try to avert that violence, if not for you yourself and those that are under your care. If you're taking care of someone, you know, this idea of well, look, I, I can't use violence even though it's been thrown on me. I think it becomes a little, um, yeah, foolish.
1: I mean, and then going back to what you said, things going back to normal, um, mm-hmm. like looking at let's look at this on an individual level, for example. Imagine if they, what they do right now is they get rid of all the mandates and they're like, all right, we're going to scrap the mandates for a blah, blah, blah. Look at all the people who have already lost their jobs and um, their years of service. And they're probably bitter and hurt by this. Not only that, like friendships that have been torn apart. I, I know friends who now don't even speak to each other anymore, or even family members don't speak to each other anymore because of yep. this division.
0: <laughs> I'm not sure I,
1: I know one, one workplace, and it's a governmental workplace of a friend of mine where, um, as he was leaving because he didn't make it and he, he refused to get the boom shakalaka. He had to um, resign, but left a tin foil hat on his desk as he was leaving and abused and shamed him. So, so things going back to normal on the individual level when there's been a lot of hurt and trauma caused, I don't think a lot of people are going to just all of a sudden snap back. And they've actually done this study, which was really amazing in France, where they looked at um, the brain chemistry and um, brainwaves. And they looked at the lockdown, for example, the effect of the lockdown on um, people there. And what they found was however long a person was in a lockdown took twice as long for their brain to get back to the way it used to be with the functions. And, you know, for example, um, like their amygdala and everything else like that. So. And then we've got then we've got to remember even like looking at the younger generation, the kids who haven't even had this time to proper socialise and that. The repercussions of this is going to be years to come. And that's what people aren't realising right now is like, yeah, things go back to normal tomorrow. Mentally, it's not going to go back to normal. We might think it is, but there's probably going to be a lot of post-traumatic stress disorder from this, from people coming out and a lot of mental health issues and stuff coming up because of this and the relationships that have been torn apart and everything else that we've witnessed. And that's just on a personal scale, but not even what we've been witnessing on a global scale with everything else that's been going on. So that's, that's what I like to say. It's like, I I have hope that people are very resilient and, you know, as long as we've got, you know, things like love and everything else to connect us and push us forward. But, The reality is is like a lot of people we know do not have these um, emotional intelligence skills because they've never been taught it, you know, like a lot of people think uh, when when the first lockdowns hit, like to me, it was like a force, (laughs) force Vipassana or meditation. Mm -hmm. And unless you're being guided through this, through people who are experienced, um, a lot of people, people don't know how to deal with finding themselves isolated and alone, because when you're isolated and alone, the first feelings that come up is a fear and shame and guilt. And that's what we're witnessing. So we're witnessing mm-hmm. things such as suicides and this and desperation and increase of people in- taking increase of antipsychotics and increase of um, substance abuse and increase of domestic violence because people did not know how to deal with their own personal demons. So it's been really interesting to watch this on all levels of psychology what's been happening in the world
0: absolutely it is so refreshing to hear uh, someone talk about this with so many different levels of insight you know and i can definitely relate to what you're saying in regards to uh, my my friends uh going through uh you know the the issues of of just feeling isolated not understanding what's going uh on with their psychology and not having emotional intelligence to to uh to climb out of this dark hole you know but um I think the more we have these conversations, I think the more it's going to make people realize that they're not alone. And that's um, that's a good place to to climb out of that darkness, you know, and Nicoletta, I could speak to you for hours about this. And I would love to have you come on again because there's so much we didn't cover, but we really it's been a roller coaster of um, awesome um, conversation dealing with so many fascinating topics right now but um i did want to keep this down to roughly an hour but i would love for you um, to come on uh, at another time I'm, I'm going through a lot of changes right now in my world but i would love to uh, have you on one side a, a bit more grounded and we can delve into these topics uh, with more gusto if uh, yep. if you'll be generous enough with your time
1: oh i'd love to i haven't even got it into um bitcoin and the metaverse yeah, exactly yes. that's so- what I'm like we gotta,
0: <laughs> yeah exactly you know because if if it's anything like our previous conversations we got a lot of stuff to unpack so uh nicola yeah. thank you so much for coming on and we got to have you on again um if people want to get a hold of your work you know whether it's criminology nutrition because I, I know you're a you're you're a health coach uh, i mean you're, you're so many different things but i'm sure people want to check out your stuff what's the best way to get a hold of you
1: i'm i'm kind of pretty private to be honest um, okay. that's that's <laughs> understandable in these
0: times that's for sure
1: um but yeah yeah um, um right now the only public stuff i really have in which people can probably get a hold of me is um instagram sure at um, nicolette underscore panko.com um i i Panko. do okay. and i also i also do have um uh, gmail if anyone ever wants to reach out to me and write to me um and that's um Ncircoke or Ncirca, which is n c z o k e at gmail.com. If you, you want to write and get some more information, I've got a folder um, full of information, files, data, um, scientific journals. If anyone ever wants to reach out and question anything, I can I can pass them on to you. Um, especially when it comes to corporate crime and anything else like that.
0: Yeah, because there is so much of this stuff that uh, I'm sure you know people could be delving into this stuff for years with the amount of data that you collected. Uh, but Nicolette, once again, thank you so much for coming on the Crystal Journey podcast. It's, you're, it's been an absolute honor to have you on this thing. You are a scholar. You are a, a powerful, amazing woman with the stuff that you're doing and the, just the the bar that you're setting for other people to, to stand against the tyranny. So um, thank you for being you. And once again, I, I can't wait to have you on again to delve into some other uh, fringe topics connected to what's going on right now. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for um, being this beacon of communication to everyone. It's people like you who are like one of them are also as, just as courageous as everyone else because you're letting your voice be heard. So
0: thank you. All the,
1: all the blessings towards you.
0: Thanks, Nicolette. You have yourself an amazing day. Ladies and gentlemen, be sure to ch- check her out and uh, let us know what you think. Until next time, Nicolette. Wow.
1: Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And then and then we stop
0: <laughs> Yeah, we can end it here i'm just gonna like do my um outro music but um we're good from here awesome. and uh, all right let me just you won't work it don't make the rest you won't make it i don't need it all i know is when my heart is gonna live a tree